great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. You are listening to 30 on Broadway, talking blue shirts on the Face Off Hockey Network. Hey everybody, welcome to an all new episode. Thought I would drop in a little uh, special intro there for you. Uh, the big anniversary of the Miracle on Ice, 1980. 80. The big game. How, how fitting of now with everything going on nowadays. But the Olympics just finished and wrapped up, not in a good way, but shocker. Yeah, well, there, it, it, t- it ties into the Rangers. Go figure. The old Ranger head coach, you know, talks a great game, can't back it up, and USA gets uh, – USA unceremoniously gets bounced. So, go figure. Yeah, but, you know, no surprise there. But, hey, Claude Julian didn't do himself any favors with Canada. But, anyways, the big anniversary of the miracle on ice, the, the infamous call, do you believe in miracles – from Al Michaels, one of the greatest sports calls of all time across any sport. Um, so obviously, in homage to that, I thought we would kick off the episode with a phenomenal acting job by Kurt Russell. Phenomenal acting job of the legendary uh, Herb Brooks. So um, again, another Ranger tie, former head coach, another of the former New York head Rangers. coach of the New York Rangers. So, hey, everybody, welcome to an all new episode uh, uh we we do have we, to we do have to mention it before we before we start the sad passing of former ranger head coach and gm it's on my list 
Emil the Cat Francis. The Cat, yes. The, the cat who who built took the Rangers out of the Dark Ages. Yeah, and then um, sent them into New York Ages. And then he made so you know what? But give him give him credit. He he was bold. He made some bold moves. And yeah, unfortunately, one of the bold moves happens to be one of the worst NHL trades in Rangers history. But um, there's no doubt the impact that Emil had on the NHL and on hockey in New York. You saw, I don't know if you saw the statement from Nick Fatiu. Yeah, who, it, was, uh, it was a it was a very nice statement from. Yeah, from Nick I mean, Fatiu. he he talked about you know how how the cat developed you know the the youth grassroots movement. Um, and how it paved the way for players like him. And there's many others that came out of that junior league, by the way, that went on to be to become professional NHL players. It wouldn't um, shock me if the Mullen brothers were the Mullen brothers were in that. Yep, the Mullen brothers um were, were part of that. Uh, you know, obviously Nick Fatiu. Um, I mentioned it with Rick with Rick Rick Dollywall, who joined us on the last episode, who by the way, fantastic episode. Sorry if you listened to it and you were like, Why does Nick sound like he's in a fish bubble yeah but for course, whatever go, reason go, go figure today my internet is back to working 100 yeah. and well not even that but before and after the interview your internet was fine yeah it was only during just, that time it was that just time period it was a ridiculously important interview that we were doing yeah and my internet decided it just wanted to you know but be ridiculous welcome to delaware yeah, that's that's Delaware for you, baby. Um, but look, I feel like the Rangers are uh, uh, all right. So before we jump, jump too crazy into these to this, I got a question for you, Nick. I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, great. Can't wait. Why, with the way the Rangers are constructed right now, are they having trouble generating offense? Nick, because they don't have Cal Clutterbuck. Oh boy! Oh, Claire, oh, clearly that's that, that's the issue. They they, they need they need Calvert. Hey, Josh Anderson had a pretty nice uh, assist the other night on a on a uh, Cole Caulfield goal. Should we go get him too? I mean, that might Brooks, make Larry Brooks head explode. Brooksy's been trying to trade for for Josh Anderson for years. I, I, why did I, why, why did I know that's where you were going with it? Hmm. Because you know, I hate Larry Brooks. I, I just, <laughs> all right. So, in seriousness, though, let's be serious. Why so serious? What is the answer? I mean, it's the same answer. It's not hard, been, but I mean, I, mean, I know the sa- being... it's, the, it's the same answer we've been harping on all year and that we've been beating the drum on. They need they need to help out Panarin. They need to help out like they need to get a legitimate top six wing on Panarin's line. They, Joe Pavelski. Joe Pavelski. Yeah, well, that dream might be short lived because according to something I saw today, the stars are going to be sitting down to try and re-sign Pavelski, so he might not actually hit. Are they? The Was that market. the report that came out? That was a report that came out today. Can you can you from, can you give me your source, sir? Uh, it's one of my tweets <laughs> that I yeah okay all right thank you Jim Madden all right anyways and I and I can uh, name drop him because I feel very 
fairly confident he does not listen to this podcast. I I, I highly doubt that, but that's 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 fine. So uh, if no, passes but they, off, they, but they they need they need a wing to play with Panarin. They need a legitimate third line because what they have right now is two thirds of a third line because Filipino is look, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I know he's 22 and he's still young and he could still develop, but it look, I, if Filipino's best hockey days are ahead of him, they're not ahead of him in New York. He will have to go somewhere else to make his NHL dream come true because it's just, it's not happening. Julian Gauthier, see you. Done with you. Like, you, you are everything that I hated about Chris Kreider for years. And you got to go. Dryden Hunt, not a second-line winger. Barkley Goodrow, as much as I like him, not a second-line winger. You know, when when Kako's back and, and he's healthy, Capo Kako needs to be skating on the – on the right side of Artemi Panarin because Kako needs to play with somebody who compliments his game. He is a shoot first player. You know, he, he's a guy who is not necessarily a playmaker playing him with Kreider and Zibanejad. And I, I've banged this drum for God knows how long is not the right move because Kreider and Zibanejad are both finishers Kako is also a finisher. You can't have three of the same player on the same line. Lafreniere's skill set fits Zabanajan and Kreider a lot better. And, and Panarin is the type of player because Kako cannot get his own shot off. Kako needs somebody to open ice for him. And who better than Artemi Panarin? Artemi Panarin is one of the few wings in this league that drives play as if he was a centerman. They need to put, and when Kako has played with Panarin, Kako has looked fine. He's put up points. He's produced. He's done a lot of good things playing with Panarin. When he goes back to playing with Zibanejad, it, it's more of the same of why are we not getting more out of Capo Kako? The, the Rangers are only screwing themselves by not playing Kako with Panarin. And if they do that, that solves your your top six wing issue, right there. You hope. You hope. You, you hope. have. I I feel very fairly confident in saying, if Kako's on a on a line with Panarin, the 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 point production and the goal production, the five on five production will come. Also, another thing about the Rangers with their five on five production, why they're not scoring more, the Rangers they don't put up a lot of shots. They, they're a team that looks for the, the perfect, they go with the, we're going to pass the puck. We're going to move the puck. They almost play that Russian five style of hockey of we're going to pass and we're going to pass and we're going to pass until we get a shot. We like they're not, they're not a volume driver at the net, right? They're not, they're not, they they are, it's very pretty. They play pretty. Sometimes too pretty. And then oh, that, so pretty. Oh, too pretty is, to and, me. And that is part of their problem. That's true. I I still say though. I, I go back to this. I still say that if you are 
you're still putting a lot on the shoulders of Capo Caco. Look, Caco needs to be in the top six. If you're going to have any long-term success with your draft picks, especially, you know, Lafreniere and Caco, they need to be cemented in your top six. If they're not, you've got a problem. The thing is, for me, I, I feel when you watch Kako's game, you see everything there, right? Like you see the intangibles, you see, you see the size, you see his ability to work on the boards, but you also see this hesitation to shoot. You see where it's almost like he he's, ref- lost, it, he's he, lost his confidence. And I, and I wonder, you know, how much of that is, you know, the, the system and, you know, I'm going to be perfectly Hovind. honest. I think it was David Quinn. Uh, well, no, I, I agree to it. I agree to extent because, I mean, we talked about like, you know, look, Quinn's last year, we screamed about this earlier in the season on the podcast. Why the hell is he not trusting or putting any faith in the kids? Lafreniere and Kako, we, you know, it was nightly. We were sitting there going, well, there's four or five minutes. There's barely any ice time. There's no power play time. There's nothing. How the hell do you expect to see what you have from these guys? You might as well not even have had them on the, the roster. You might as well have sent Lafreniere back to juniors and sent Kako to, to, to the Hartford. You, you might as well have. It would have been better off, um, at least in my opinion. But you just you see where it's you see glimpses of it. And it's and it's different for me with Lafreniere. Lafreniere, you know, he doesn't stand out and and scream on the stat sheet or scream on the ice, but he does a lot of little things. And he finds his he's he's always engaged. He's not afraid to get dirty. He's not afraid to get get physical get tough i mean we've seen it enough oh, where, times when, this season when uh what game was it uh recently where they ran into shesterkin yeah and he went he went it, after, i think it was, I think it was the uh, bruins game. Was boston think, he went after yeah, craig was, smith it was craig and smith. it really wasn't craig smith's fault no it really wasn't there was partial there it was it was craig smith's fault okay we'll 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 agree to disagree i i don't think it was fully but he but, went right at him and i mean he went at him and you, you don't get that same kind of like tenacity and, and, and I know it's a different style player, different player. So, you know, maybe my comparison is, is a little bit, is a little off or stupid here, but I just, I have a lot more confidence in Lafreniere right now. And I think, you know, Kaku has had his injury concerns. He's had I, his, his COVID concerns. I look at it. I think, Kako had more damage done to him by David Quinn than I, I, I agree. A, a lot I agree. of people are willing to actually talk about. I, I don't no, think I, I don't people, disagree there. I don't think people really understand the severity of damage that Quinn actually did to Capo Kako. And I'm just I'm curious how it plays out. So, you know, like you say, Kako comes back, he slots in with Panera, and that solves your top six thing. It, it does in theory, but does it really? And that's a big question mark. So to me, if you're the Rangers and you're Chris Drury, you already went into the season and you said, 
damn, we're putting a lot on the shoulders of Kratzoff. Eh, how that worked out. Lafreniere and Kako. And we haven't gotten what we what we've wanted out of that. Now Kako's coming back around. Do we go back to that well and say, hey, we got to stick it back in there? Or do we look outside to upgrade? Do we no, look out, you, outside the box? Look, I think you have to go back to Kako and at least give him a run with Panarin before you look to change gears. because. But do they have enough time to do that before the trade deadline? Well, that's another that's, question. That's but the also, problem. That's if part go- of the problem. If you're going out to get a rental, odds are, like, let's say they, they trade for Phil Castle. Castle's most likely not going to be back here next year. So Probably not. But the whole thing is you have to run with Kako. You have to run Kako with Panarin just because this is a second overall pick. You cannot. You have to give this kid every opportunity to show you that he is not that player. And I, don't, he- I don't disagree. But when you also come down to this is a team that is – look, I don't want to say they're – you know, you make you, you bring in a top six winger, and all of a sudden, oh, this team's a Stanley Cup contender. I don't think that's necessarily true. No, I think they, it helps. I think it helps solve they, a big problem. I think if you, I think, let me look, finish my. No, thought. no, damn no, it, no, because here's yeah. the thing. Here's the thing. If look, you're you, gonna steal my thunder, if you put Kako with Panarin, okay, and Kako shows that he, what we all believe the potential is for him to be. Okay, that solves an issue right there. You don't need a top six wing at that point. That point, you can focus on going out and maybe adding Connor Garland and Arturi Lekkinen and saying goodbye to Philip Heedle and um, to, to Philip Heedle and Julian Gauthier. And then you have a third line with Barkley Goodrow, Garland, and Lekkinen that could really do some work. It could. And then but again, you all, you're you still also putting look, a big what if on there. But but the whole thing is you have to assume that playing with Panarin covers up a lot of the warts. You you do. No, I, I don't disagree with you there. I just there's a hesitation there because even in the few scenarios where we've seen that, again, we still haven't we there's something like there's a and I don't want to say it's like a refusal to drive the puck or a refusal to shoot. He There's defers. something he, he defers. defers too much and you, you don't, you don't need that right now. So the question is, do they get cockle back in time to see what they've got going into the trade deadline? Now, listen, I'm not saying this to be like, Oh, they got to decide if they're going to trade couple cockle or not. That's not what I'm saying. Yes, you are. What I'm saying is they got to decide do we need to upgrade our top six in order from outside in order to fix our third line, whether that's making a move for, like you said, a Connor Garland, or if that's saying, you know what, we got to go with Morgan Barron because Morgan Barron is a leap ahead of Philip Hedl just in the center spot alone. Um, the, the thing there that's mind boggling is like Philip Hedl, he, <sighs> It's like everything is highlight real worthy with him. And then it's or it's or it's black hole. He's he's all or he's hurt. He's all Swedish. No finish. I mean, it's 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 I mean, I don't think he doesn't score a beautiful goal. 
Like, does he score a goal that's not a highlight real goal? I mean, every goal you sit there and you go, damn, look at him go. And then it's like, he, ah, why can't you bring that on a consistent level? He's literally, he's he's also the same thing that I was always with Kreider. He's really good, but he always leaves you wanting more. But he just you just wonder if it's another situation like with a Kreider where it unlocks, but unfortunately, yeah, but okay, are you willing to wait? I think pain? that are time you, is are you see the problem was with Kreider waiting for Chris Kreider to unlock cost the Rangers a cup. Potentially, yeah. No, 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 not potentially. I can say it stone cold. If we had this version of Chris Kreider in 2014, we beat the LA Kings because he buries one of the 1800 breakaways he had on Jonathan Quick. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's a fair that's a fair assessment. That's a fair statement. But I, I just, you know, I look at look, this is a team that this is a team that's not expecting to just get into the playoffs and try to, you know, make some noise in the first round. But this see, is a that, team that's their fault. That that's also their Oh, fault. I'm not saying I'm not I don't disagree with you there. But but listen, that that rebuild mantra kind of went out the window when they signed Artemi Panarin. You don't bring Panarin in and bring in Jacob Truba and start spending big money to be like, we're we're rebuilding. Uh, No. This is at the time where the Rangers right now are in the time where the Tampa Bay Lightning were. You know, they haven't had the playoff the playoff defeats or disappointments like Tampa had with this group specific i'm not talking about like the hank group and all that but with this group they're in the time now where you start using your prospects and your 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 picks and your cupboard to improve your roster for the now and if you could sit there and say you know what they could go get a top six winger slide up slide down goodrow doesn't come off that third line which is where he needs to be. Dryden Hunt doesn't sniff top six because he shouldn't. Not because he sucks, but it's because it's not. It, it, neither him or Goodrow are are well suited for the top six. They're bottom six guys. Goodrow is your third line guy. You get Morgan Barron back in the freaking lineup, which Gerard Gallant kind of did a little bit of coach speak earlier. I don't know if you saw the quote on that. Not, no, he didn't do a little bit. He did a lot of I mean, coach speak. I mean, saying that you're going to see them sooner than later. Um, you know, we haven't even discussed the Patrick Nemeth third pairing. The uh, But there's things there. You know, do they improve the defense? You know, we looked at, you know, if they go with Schneider and Jones, do they just ride and die with them and see what they got there? I would have preferred it over Nemeth. But they're bringing Nemeth in, and maybe I'll just sit here and say – with roses that they're trying to have Nemeth show some sort of trade value. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Okay. But well, this we'll, isn't we'll, a team. We'll go. With this that. isn't a team that's looking, and this isn't fan speak either, because I'm saying this just from the mantra that you've seen, the mandate, the unwritten mandate that we've circled back to a few times. This team is not built to get into the just to make it to the postseason. 
they're built to go and make some noise. And to me, that means when you get to the point where Drury is where they're at, where they are now, and you sit there and you go, you know what? Are we good enough without having to ride on Igor Shesterkin's back like we did with Hank for pretty much his entire career? Are we good enough to get to the conference final? What do we need to do to get there? Because that is where I kind of see the interior front office goal is we need to make some banging noise in the second round or we need to get out of the second round and go from there. Because this look, this isn't a team that gets into the first round and loses. Oh, they very, they very well could. They could. Currently constructed, they could. But this isn't. That's not a success. To me, if you you did what you did in the off season and you've made some of the moves that you've made, some head scratchers, some you know not. You're not going into this saying, "Hey, we hope to get into the first round." And if we win around, hey, great, look, awesome. The fuzzies, the warm and fuzzies. No, it's we better win around and we better make some noise and cause havoc in the second round and possibly pull pull something off here. But can we do that with the way the roster is currently constructed? And I could say emphatically 100 percent. No. Because. They don't have the support on the top six. I know everybody wants to scream and say, why the hell is Dryden Hunt? Why the hell is Barkley Goodrow? It's not their fault that they're being shoved into a top six role. The problem is, is they don't have a top six guy. And you got to hope that when Kako comes back from injury, that he either slides into it and takes off running. Or if not, that that return is before the trade deadline. And the Rangers either have decided or decide this is what we need to do. But then at the same time, what message are you sending to Kako? If you go out and you get a rental, for the top six and you have Kako come back and that's even more. So it's like the Rangers have put themselves in a very interesting spot. They really have the front office for the Rangers. have put themselves in a very interesting spot. Yeah. And that's the problem with Dolan getting involved last year was there was clearly a plan. And now Dolan wanted to rush it because he wasn't happy. So it, 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 it really screwed over the team because he there was no reason to do what he did. No. And, and I mean, I know, you know, you and I disagree at times about, you know, Jeff Gordon's tenure with, with the Rangers. I ironically, I know we talk about like, I ironically off, off air had said, Something to Nick at the beginning of the season, last season, where it was like, man, I wonder and if I, things like go horrifically wrong. Absolute moron. For I was like, I just way. wonder because of like some of the stuff. And this was more tied to, I think, I think partially David Quinn and partially, you know, Chris Kreider at the time and some of the other things that had happened, the McDonough trade and some of the other stuff. And I had said, I wonder if things go like horribly wrong. If he could find himself getting fired. And I wish I said that on the podcast now in hindsight, because you were like, you are an effing idiot. The things oh, that yeah. you say sometimes are so yeah. stupid. You have no idea. And yeah, I wasn't uh, like forecasting anything. I was just like, I, I know Dolan, I, uh, Dolan is a hothead and I could see something stupid happening. Now that I think that it would be JD and Jeff Gordon and, and everything. No, 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 no. But you know, 
I the, the, got very angry at you for saying that. You did. It was ridiculous. It, it was, and I never brought it up again. And then it happened, and I was like, Nick, what the, f- like, what? And you were like, shut up. It's all your fault. I, like, much. I think Thanks. that was my exact reaction. That, was, that was your exact reaction. But, um, no, I just, you know, the, the Rangers are in a precarious spot. Ironically, since the All-Star break, the Rangers have very much reminded me of how the season began and how they're winning games. And you're not going to apologize for that. You're not going to say, oh, we won games. Boo. No, you take your points wherever you get them. You take them and you run and you move forward and you keep on trying to improve and get better. But you never sit back and say, oh, we shouldn't have won that one. Oh, man, we should just give those points back. Those we don't deserve it. No, well, you take these. We didn't deserve to beat Ottawa because we scored a power play goal. So it doesn't. Yeah. Matter. Or, you know, count. oh, you only scored a power play goal. And that sucks, you know, because ironically, remember years ago, not that long ago, actually, I shouldn't even say years. It was only like a couple of years, if even that. Having a strong power play or penalty kill in on a team that was a playoff team was considered a great luxury and it was considered to put you in the level of contendership because you had to have great special teams and great defense and all that to win not, in the postseason. But now is, it's like, oh, if you have a good special teams, you suck. This is Ranger fans who, oh, my God, no, for years. It's lament, not only that. Lamenting for years that we had no power play. Now the Rangers actually have a power play you can almost put into the bank. And, oh, my God, this team can't score unless it's on the power play. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's like. Uh, like you know, I but, get but, it. But you know I, what I that get is? It. I get it. They have to be better five on five. I'm not disagreeing because in the playoffs, you can't count on your power play. I mean, it's good if you have a good power play because if you you know you're only going to get one or two opportunities a game, and if you can make them count, then you know God bless you. I mean, how many times do we see the Rangers' power play in years past cost them in playoff but, games because they couldn't capitalize? But can we just uh, say that it's a more it's a moronic take to bash the club for not being for being productive on special teams. I mean, yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I think it's pretty. I mean, stupid. it is, but, I, but a I, lot I of what it is, is because you get people that are, you get those that are so heavy into analytics and nothing else exists outside of analytics. And this is going to tie me into my other part. It's not Ranger related. That is so heavy tied into the stats and the expected goals and this and the expected whatever, the high danger chances of things that are, again, keyword expected, expected. That's not final. It's expected. Wait, did you just say it wasn't spinal? So it's an estimation, basically. At the end of the day, at its root core, it's an estimation (laughs) of the spinal (laughs) jerk (laughs) but people lose their freaking minds over it because right now the rangers are kind of an anomaly with it because they're not good in those departments the five on five and the expected goals but yet they're winning games and everyone loses their minds and they go crazy. <laughs> I mean, it, but it's it's hilarious to see this because it's like, 
And for those of you that didn't know, that was definitely me doing a Joker. From yeah, the I mean, I, yeah. I, if you didn't I, know, I, mean, I I would hope you would know that. If you don't, then good God. But listen, but but honestly, like you, you can't ever operate on black and white. No, there's and this good- goes both ways. This goes on the analytic group, and this goes on the people that are hardlined. I watch the game. I only follow what happens in the game, and it's the eye. The eye tells me everything. No, that's not true either. The but eyes lie. But you can't sit there and say, this team is going to suck because of this and only because of this, and there's no other variables that could exist because of this, because of an estimation. You can't. Because you can have situations like with the Rangers as an anomaly, which creates a split in the dimension. A fissure, if you will. (laughs) But it's just funny to see these people flip out about it. And it's almost like the argument of years ago where people were like, face-offs don't matter. And that was some of the dumbest bullshit that I ever heard in my life because you would sit there and argue this team doesn't have good possession numbers. Look, I, I, well, I try how do you to, get, tr- how do you get better possession numbers? Try winning a damn face off. If I, you win uh, a face off, do you know what happens? Nick, do you know what happens when you win a face off? No, I only played the game. I have no idea. <laughs> you have what is called <laughs> possession. Of this little biscuit called a puck. I, I just I, I try. And do you know I, what happens when you have possession oh right away God. off oh. of a face-off? Do you oh know? Do you know, Nick? Nick, I'm talking to you. Do you know? I'm that trying to as your possession clock face closer to the camera. The possession clock for you oh. is higher than the team you're going against, which means that your possession numbers are better, which means that you have better possession overall, which ironically means face-offs are good. Winning face-offs are good. But like, no, you remember that argument. I remember that argument very well because I wanted the Rangers to go out and trade for Antoine Vermette that, that year, and I was called every name under the sun. Because, uh, oh, his, his and what happened that year? And- what happened that year? He went to the Chicago Blackhawks and was a key figure in helping them win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. But his Corsi numbers weren't good, man. Yeah. Durr. Like, like, la I de freaking da. I, all right. Now you're Matt Foley, motivational speaker. <laughs> oh, there actually is God. a fan down the street for me that is down by the river. That is actually funny. <laughs> Now that you mentioned it, I think of it every time I drive past it. But anyways, I am Matt Foley. I am 35 years old <laughs> and I am a motivational speaker. Now, like, I, I always I try not to be that guy when, when talking about it. But like there are certain times where you can see on social media and you can see people who didn't play the game versus people that have played the game because there are it's certain... not just that it's well, not no, just it's, that, it, it's not just that. It, there are certain little nuances though that you pick up 
as a player that you wouldn't understand if you didn't play. But that's not. But but also let's let's just clarify on that really quick because I don't think that's necessarily fair to because there are people that right and I just didn't play the game that that are students of the game. No, I agree. I I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking them as a whole. I I just think it's one of those things that sometimes it's like the vocal minority always seems to be the loudest. I got like an Elvis curl going on right now. No, you don't. But oh, look at this. it's like okay. How dare you be smart? Like my thing, man. My second. Look at this. My second look at this. favorite look artist. At look at it. <laughs> I. All right. No, but uh, yeah. All right. Can I get into my rant? <laughs> no. You didn't already do it. No, I'm really pissed off about something. It is not Ranger related. I'll tie it to the Rangers somehow. I will. But I think this is flipping bonkers. And this all goes back into people that I know never watched the Yankees. I or, don't want I don't want to nope. do this. No, I had a Why? yesterday. No, no, no. Why? <laughs> Why? No, no, no. I, I want to I'll make it, I'll make it quick. You Paul O'Neill. Like, you sound like Keenan from Keenan and Cal, or you sound like Cal. My throat is like my throat is gone. <laughs> oh no, it was Keenan who used to do the why, but like I, I, I don't, I don't want Listen. to hear this. Come on. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold, hold on a minute. Paul O'Neill oh, is a is a New York Yankee institution. In a variety of ways. He is he is a staple. He is the cornerstone, literally, of the dynasty in the outfield for the Yankees. He has been a cornerstone of the Yankees broadcasting team for years. He is one of the biggest leaders of the Yankees from the dynasty, simply put, the warrior. That's Paul O'Neill. You're sitting there just missing. You're just like, I, 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 I. but literally saying that retiring his number is just handing out another monument in Monument Park, and it's too many numbers. There's too many people being retired. Well, sucks that your team sucks or that your team don't win no championships. Can't help it. Sorry, bro. Your team didn't win as much as we did. Your team, you know, sorry that you came along in 2001 and started watching Yankees after the great heydays were largely over and you never really got to learn to appreciate or you were too young to appreciate what Paul O'Neill meant to the Yankees. One word, warrior. He was a flipping warrior. That man hated to lose. You remember watching on TV beating the living shit out of Gatorade jugs, smashing stuff? I mean, after the simplest of things, a, a bad strikeout, something doesn't go his way, bashing the bat. I once saw him almost take a baseball bat to his own damn head. That's how much he loved the game. That's how much he hated to lose. You would want that guy on your team. You would want him. No one could wear 21 since Paul O'Neill stopped playing. That's how much he's beloved by fans that saw him through his prime that were old enough to remember how important he was. So shut the hell up. You don't know what you're talking about. Paul O'Neill is a great New York Yankee. 
both on the field and off the field. God, I can only imagine what you say about Adam Graves. And God, I can only imagine what you would say about Matt Zuccarello if he played maybe a couple more years with the Rangers, because guess what? Matt Zuccarello would be right up there in the rafters with Henrik Lundqvist. Guaranteed. Put it in the books. I guarantee it. Guaranteed. 100%. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I got to tell you guys right now, Chris was literally the living SpongeBob gif as he was going on his rant. Oh, yeah. I was feeling like- he was pointing his <laughs> finger at the camera and making the face and wiggling back and forth. I wish I could have recorded it because actually, wait, Chris, go ahead. Go, go, go do that little thing. Again. I'm not doing it again. No, do it again. No, just no but it was little- just ridiculous. Put like this whole thing of, just, oh, just pull the deal. Is it crap? There because <laughs> he didn't have the Hall of Fame numbers. And because, you know, if you're going to retire his, you got to retire Scott Brocious. You got to retire Tito Martinez. And then you got too many numbers and everything. Blah, blah, blah. And all oh, his stats aren't what they should be for a retire. No, shut up. Shut up. Just shut up. You sound like a moron. And holy crap. Like, honestly, if. Twitter and social media was as big as it was now back when like Adam Graves got retired. Could you imagine what the screaming would be about that? (sighs) It's not just about Paul O'Neill and his stats. It's about everything that Paul O'Neill brought to the table as a Yankee, both on and off the field, his leadership. You can't quantify that. You can't put a number or a value behind that. You can't. That is why, like Nick and I will argue, I put a greater value on people like a Tyler Toffoli, who ironically went to Calgary. And what's he doing in Calgary right now, Nick? Putting up points. And I grabbed him on a fantasy team, and he helped me come back this week. Him and Jeremy Swayman. Swayman, baby even though he's a Bruin, so screw that shit, but I don't care because that's what's happening, brother. (laughs) It's just, I sit here and I read this stuff and I lose my mind. I lose my mind. I have, I'm like, I'm sitting, I'm I'm reading this and I'm like, I I just, I don't know. The only soapbox I'm on is that I think it's bullshit that Keith Hernandez and Joe Klecko are not in their respective <laughs> Hall of Fames. If if we want to like get into yeah, but uh, all right, you want to talk about you, want, you, you just mentioned like, Keith Hernandez, right? Want to get into this? Like we'll get into this. All right. So the people are like, oh well, Keith Hernandez's numbers aren't that impressive. Yeah, his numbers aren't that impressive. Yeah, two ninety. Why is he being retired? Two ninety six career batting average. Thank you for mentioning that. Two-time I'm not even a World, Mets fan, and I know two, this. Two time World Series champion. Uh, Silver Slugger, five-time All-Star, 11-time Gold Glove winner at first base. Like, should I go on? I mean, I just, I sit here and I and I look at this and I just... Keith Hernandez is one of the greatest first basemen to ever play the game of baseball. And nobody will ever tell me differently. And if you don't think he's a Hall of Famer, then you just don't know, you don't know baseball and... I'm just going to call you an idiot, and that's that's that. That's it. That's that. And Joe Klecko needs to be in Canton, Ohio. He deserves to be in the NFL Hall of Fame. It's a joke that he's not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 
And until Joe Klecko is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame will never hold water with me. It will be a joke. And same thing with Keith Hernandez until he goes into Cooperstown. Until that day comes, Cooperstown will be a joke to me. I mean, it already is because, you know, we're going to put David Ortiz, known steroid user, in but keep Bonds and Clemens out. Because the Major League Baseball. Oh, look, the, the Major League Baseball Hall. I mean, Major League Baseball is a joke the, right now, anyway. The, the Robert Madison's is the worst commissioner in the history of. Well, no, that, no, he's, no, he's, he's putting, no, he's, he's given, not. he's given no, Bud Selig a no, run for his money, no, but it's not. still Bud Selig. No, he's not, because Bud Selig is the man who. Who wrote, I, why are we doing this? You got me now. Now you got me all fired. And up. somehow, and somehow he's in, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's in the Hall of Fame, but. The 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 guy turned who, a blind eye to it. The guy basically let a it happen. Eye to, not basically the guys that he allowed to use steroids because baseball was dying after the '94 lockout. He because they were dying at the gates. Well, I'm going to turn a blind eye to steroids. Sosa, McGuire, all those guys put the league on their backs with steroids and and got people interested in baseball again because of the long ball. But then when Congress stepped in. But Bud Selig oh, no. sacrificed those guys, so nothing would happen to him. Bud Selig is a clown. The baseball writers are, of America are clowns. It's a joke. I hate professional baseball and what it's turned into, and that's it for my rant. I am off my soapbox. All right, so this is two episodes in a row that we have – Last week it was Super Bowl commercials. This week it's, <laughs> but like one word, Warrior. You're gonna tell me that you don't want that guy in your corner? You wouldn't have loved to have Paul O'Neill on the Mets. I wouldn't have wanted to waste his career like that. See, there you go. Wouldn't you have loved Mike Piazza and Paul O'Neill together on the Mets? I. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, no, nah, man, it's, it's stupid. It's stupid. Just give everybody. Oh, well, the mean, Yankees aren't going to have see. They're going to have to put triple digits on the jersey suit, guys. Oh hey, sorry. Sorry that. You know, you grew up in an era where the Yankees, unfortunately, have only won one World Series in this freaking in the 2000s, unfortunately. But at least well, two, it came. At least it came two. against the Phillies. But you know, me fortunately, I got I I was I got to see that whole dynasty. Yeah, steam yeah, rolling. yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, but I, it's just it's I just I I oh man I just look. I, I, ugh, I could go on a rant for hours about the, it, we, yeah we, we, about charts and graphs and stat junkies and I love I listen I love looking at all of it but that's the difference I love looking at all of it I love looking at the advanced stats I love looking at the charts and see it and see it what's what and what's and, and comparing but I also like watching the game. And seeing what I see on the ice, we we got, it in that we, got a, we got on a real tangent, but I'm, I just I'm so, it I'm so it just glad. drives me nuts because 
there's so much noise that gets made about this stuff. And it's largely, largely complete garbage. Like I said, the vocal minority. So that's how it always goes. I mean, that's with anything. That's how it always goes. So, all right. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I mean, it started great with her Brooks. It, it, yeah. I mean, look, I had, I had to do that. No, I mean, that was a given that that was a, a, a must. Um, I had, I had to do that there. I, I mean, it was just too important of a, of a moment in history, not just in, not just in the NHL or not just in hockey. No, or the Olympics history. and it's world history. Of, I mean, world history in general was just a. Uh, it, it was almost as big as Rocky Balboa knocking out Ivan Drago. Oh boy! And, All right, before ending, I let you go, and ending communism with a left hook. <laughs> okay, before I let you go. All right, our partner, Symbol Sports Exchange. I want you to check them out. There's a stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you could trade sports teams like stocks, including hockey, or you can even do baseball. We've, we've touched on baseball today. You can do baseball too. Every time your team wins, you earn cash. You can use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, earn cash payouts when your team wins. Join the 8,000 plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www. I think I did one too many W's. Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot com. Create a free account. When you make a deposit, use our promo code, the FHN, and you'll get a money back guarantee. That's right. Symbol is offering a money back guarantee for all of our listeners. That means even if you lose money in your first 90 days of setting up an account, you Symbol will win. refund your initial deposit. No questions asked. Again, Symbol.com, promo code, the FHN you get a money-back guarantee up to $500. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. Goodbye, all. I like turtles. <laughs>